Hi again, everybody. Welcome into another edition. Happy Wednesday. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday or whichever day you may be listening and watching, thank you for joining us. Cross Functionality, the show connecting coaching, baseball, softball, male, female, hosted by former college baseball and softball players as we get started today with episode 57. We're talking becoming a fearless athletes not doing this alone i never do it alone let me bring in my friend and co-host softball national champion at the university of alabama and current day renowned coach cassie riley bosha modern star of modern family her own modern family today as we record this that's right well sunday sunday family dinners yes and if you ever watch modern family it seems like they always get together on a sunday (laughs) very very italian like those those sunday dinners my grandfather by the way used to have some of those but he never would really make any good dishes they would always you always make like meatloaf, which I I can't stand, uh-huh. or eggplant, which I can't stand either. I've never had eggplant, and it's not aesthetically pleasing. And I I'm always from the school of if it's not aesthetically pleasing as a dish, as a food dish, I'm not going to eat it. Sorry. All right. Well, to make anyone jealous, my my husband's father, so my father in law used to own pizza places, and he's making stromboli and chicken rolls from scratch. Um, and then we are also having uh mini meatball wedges. Um, wow. Yeah, so it's really perked up there. Yeah. (laughs) I got some good food today. (laughs) Stromboli is a hit and miss, by the way. Mm -hmm. If you put too much too much meat on the stromboli, then it it doesn't really it's not really stromboli anymore. Although I'm not a big meat guy on my sandwiches either. I like more Mm -hmm. bread to meat ratio than meat to bread ratio. I think it just depends. It's always I'm I'm always a big fan of the ingredients, whatever's being stuffed inside or how it's being made and so uh, I do like pepperoni so inside the stromboli. I prefer mm. that, if anything. There you go. The pepperoni. I think inside. we're having a smorgasbord of decisions for our strombolis today. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that's uh, a modern family aside there, Italian <laughs> dinner aside, um, Sunday dinner aside. Uh, we're talking today, episode 57, becoming a fearless athlete. I was thinking about this um, yesterday, actually, um, when we were preparing for the show. I, when I was a kid. I, I always, I've always had a fear of heights. Do you, do you, do you fear heights by the way? Is that, is that, I mean. Not as an adult, as a kid I did. I used to like hate being at the top of steps and now it's like I could climb a ladder and it's no big deal. I still, I, I still, I'm talking like really high. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Really. I mean, I'm still afraid of heights to this day. I mean, I could, I could get on top of my, my house or my roof and I could be okay. But I'm talking like, you know, when you're at Disney and you have to go up those those long, windy stairs. Um, what's that? What's that one slide at Blizzard Beach in, at Disney? Right. You have to go up those long, windy stairs very, very high. And then when you get to the top, you're looking literally you're parallel eye level with the top of the um, what's that tower? The Tower of uh, Doom or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tower of Terror. Right. There you go. That's the kind of height that I'm talking about that I'm afraid of. Anyway, while I was a kid, it was it was a lot worse. And um, I, I remember being at the like the community pool. This is when I was like you know eight nine years old when I, uh, you know, in the summer or whatever it was. And I was always afraid to go onto the high diving board, right? But eventually, I made my myself go up to the high diving board. I worked my way up, and it it was part of it was because I was more confident. And once I actually did it and jumped in the pool from that high diving board, mm. I felt perfectly fine and I felt like I could continue to do it over and over again so becoming a fearless athlete I think the main nucleus of all that is becoming as confident as you possibly could I became confident that I was going to live and be okay (laughs) diving over off that diving board and I think with athletes becoming fearless the confidence is such a huge part of all that 
for sure. And I think, you know, so many times we look at someone, we're like, man, that's that person's so confident. And we forget that like confidence and fear, honestly, both are relative, right? You have Navy SEALs that can go off and do some of the craziest things, yet they could still be afraid of a spider, right? So it's, uh, you have this, it depends on the situation for our confidence that it also depends on the situation for our fearlessness too. And I think what starts to happen with, and we definitely see it with athletes that we coach, I saw it in myself as an athlete, you might be really confident and fearless in high school ball and then you go to travel ball and it changes. Or you might uh, be really, really confident and fearless um, on defense and then you come to offense in a really pressure situation and you haven't quite conquered that level of fear. So it's uh, it's something too as like a parent and coach that maybe didn't experience it or um, maybe has been removed from the game. I, I, I always have parents sometimes being like, man, they do so well until this happens. And I'm like, yeah. all right, well, this isn't like a, a swing issue. And <laughs> there's a lot right. more to this. So absolutely. I think the two are so intertwined and it, um, you know, I, I have to imagine like how good did you feel when you finally did do the, the hype, right? It's like this, even like, it's like a next level euphoria, confident feeling, right? Like I, well, I, the, I, I take the thing about it was I just, I kept then after that, I kept doing it over and, and over yep. and over. It's no big deal then. Right. It was, it, it became no big deal. So that's why I think like confidence is, is just a vital part. I mean, it's a vital part of anything in athletics or anything in life, but, but becoming a, a fearless athlete and doing it within the confines of your game plan, so to speak, of what your coach wants, right? You don't want to become, as we're talking about next week, playing with heart, breaking that myth. You don't want to play with heart. You want to still play smart, but you still want to be that that fearless athlete that is not really afraid to fail because that's another thing too that kind of weighs on your mind a little bit as an athlete. Hey, I'm afraid to fail here and that prevents you from becoming that fearless athlete. Oh, for sure. Um, it, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, I My first like real, real experience where I felt so... Uh, like like a vine holding me back almost was mm -hmm. I got moved from first base to the outfield and I I had never ever had an issue diving before ever but the idea I, for some reason I went to the outfield running full sprint into a dive is very different than being at first base taking two steps and diving right yeah. um, and I couldn't figure it out and I would it was coming across you know I was I, I was trying to process so much as I was going for a ball in the outfield that all of a sudden I forgot to just be fearless, go all out and go for the ball. Right. And it, it was, um, I felt so held back by this fear of missing the ball, this fear of screwing up. Here I am on the biggest stage. I've been dreaming about this. And now I'm in a situation where my confidence is negative in the outfield right now, you know? Sure. Um, so that was, it was interesting that I almost had to, I, I actually, I remember Murphy saying, he goes, I want fearless to be written across your forehead. And so I, I went in the mirror that night. I took an X-Fall marker out where my forehead was. I wrote fearless in my, my, my mirror. And that was, I just kept asking myself, what would a fearless outfielder look like? What would they, what, how would they run? How would they train? How would they do this? And, you know, s those questions made me mentally at least prepare for getting over those big humps of, uh, of my, how low my confidence was when I did transition to the outfield. Well, it brings up the question, though, how did you um, decipher between being fearless but also playing smart? Because there are certain mm -hmm. times, obviously, as you know, you can't dive in the outfield. Right. So, I mean, one out, nobody on. Of course, you can dive for a ball. But, you know, second, third, um, one out, and you're trying to dive for a ball, you know, this applies to baseball, too, uh, outfielders. Um, you, then you're screwed because <clears throat> if it's by you, those runs are, are scoring. For sure. Um, I think where my situation was in the fall, I was still in a practice mode of like just learning a brand new skill type thing. Yeah. However, uh, our biggest uh, our biggest thing was if it's foul, dive all you want. You know, that's you have like a there's no harm, no foul there. 
Um, and then uh, the other thing was the trajectory of the ball. So we would we would sit there a lot in the outfield, not even going after balls, and just sit there during BP with the with the outfield coach. And they'd say, okay, on that one, would you have dove or would you have let it drop? Would you have dove or would you let it drop? Because there is a trajectory where if it's a high fly ball that when it's going to land, it's not going to go anywhere. That's a fairly safe ball to dive after. When you have a ball that's on a different trajectory that's going to hit and skip if it gets by you, um, either now you're doing a little bit more of a pop-up slide to keep it in front of you, let's say, or the dive is just not not worth it at that point. Um, it's also gauging, hey, is my other outfielder behind me? Is it is it a ball? You know, is a right center fielder trying to cut off a gap? And you know the center fielder is behind you. All those things go into play. Um, and it is a lot. It's not... Um, it's not like second nature to everybody to just be like, oh, I'm going to know exactly when to do it. So that was so valuable to just sit there for those 30 minutes every now and then. And or even when we're watching um, games on on, uh, on TV, just talking about the strategy behind it, because that's huge. Um, so once I got over the hump of the skill, then it was learning, you know, that that whole process as well. Knowing the situation and all that. Right. I think I think with everything you're saying there, part of becoming a fearless athlete is also becoming a smart and educated athlete mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You can't just be like a reckless abandon all the time, you know, because then you're going to you can also get yourself hurt. I said I said, go ahead, dive all you want, a foul ball. But when you start playing with fences and we start playing, you know, not just an open field as a little eager. That's that's a real thing to consider. You're not diving head first into a fence. That is not a, <laughs> that's right. not right. that's going to help anybody. Yeah. Um so right, so their fearlessness is is honestly this ability to, again, it's showing up to discomfort, it's showing up to failure, and it's saying, you know what, I know, I know this is going to be hard, and this might not work, but I'm I'm confident in my decision here, and you're able to actually go for it, and that's that's when you start to see, I think, an athlete's true ability shine because they're not being held back by this this fear of failure, or in some cases even like a fear of success they might be holding back from. Um, but I mean, shoot. I, I think the second time I've ever seen it or in myself was at the plate, right? Like, let's say your swing feels off, you're low on confidence that day, you're just not seeing the ball well, and then your pitch comes right where you want it and you take it. And you're like, golly, like, why? Yeah. <laughs> what, what am I thinking? Why am I so bound up here? But it's this fear of screwing up almost or fear of just, I don't have my swing with me right now. Where hey, I was going right to say, how do you, hitters, how do you become a fearless athlete when it comes to hitting? Mm-hmm. I, I have to, so right, confidence comes from your preparation. So in my case, it was if I ever felt like I couldn't visualize a pitch, I was fearing it for some reason or for even a situation. Um, first pitch strikes always held me up a little bit. So I was, I would put my walkout song on and I would practice walking from the on-deck circle to the batter's box and I would practice the first pitch and I would practice visualizing the first pitch strike and I would, in scrimmages, really try to force myself to be way more aggressive than I normally would because you're trying to find opportunities to really work on that. That's that's when you're going to do it. Um, but it, it's such a mentality first. It's not the hitters with the best swings are not always the most confident. They're not always the most fearless when it comes to that. But if you've prepared like crazy, like if you feel like there was no rock unturned, like you did exactly what you had to do, you busted your butt. When you walk up to the plate, what, what do you have to be afraid of then anymore, right? Like you've, you know, there's a lot that can be handled before that if that actually happens. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you kind of took away all that fear right there when you mm. really, when you really think about it. And, and, and visualizing is a big part of that. We did an episode on visualization back in the archives. So go back and take a listen, Apple, Google, Spotify, 
We do appreciate that Softball Strength Academy YouTube page. Take a listen as well. Today, episode 57. Next week, episode 58, we're going to break that myth of playing with heart, playing smarter. Um, we're going to break that myth because that's one thing that I just absolutely can't stand, <laughs> playing with heart. So we're going to talk about that next week. But when we talk today about becoming a fearless athlete, and and I think that you know we have to really unpack a little more about the, the fear of failure, though, mm-hmm. just overall as an athlete. And, and I'm wondering if that fear of failure stops them from becoming an athlete meaning stops them from becoming the best they can possibly be and maybe subconsciously stops them from training as best they possibly could not going head first in the swimming pool pun intended mm-hmm. um when they are training and it's stopping them from becoming the best athlete that they can be that's big that's be that's an athlete with fear rather than become than being a fearless athlete for sure and and this is one of those things too where um i'll i'll be with athletes in training and I see it right away. They, uh, they're the way they speak about themselves, how low their self confidence is, or how um, they'll come up and be like, "I'm not very good at this. I'm not blah blah blah." And they're setting themselves up to be, "Hey, even if I fail, it's not going to hurt so bad because I just let everyone else know I don't even think I'm that good." And so there is a fine line where that is a mental performance. Um, uh, like there's a lot of things I can interject there, but if that is so s- deeply routed, rooted for them and, um, like their self-love and self-appreciation that could potentially turn it, that could be stemming from a, like a mental health, uh, thing as well. So you do have athletes who it's the, the actually going for it and failing, going all in and working hard and actually setting themselves and be like, you know what, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. And then failing that is too big of a, uh, crushing loss for them that that yeah. that fear of that failure is 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 too much so it's easier for them to half-ass it in practice to not go all out to to state to everyone in the room i'm not good enough i'm 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 the i'm the low one on the put totem pole here instead of actually trying to train to go for it um and so it is it is interesting and it and i think that is probably a very difficult athlete to work with because obviously there's a lot of confidence issues there um but that is certainly an athlete who would benefit from a coach training them, not just physically, but working through all those mental, you know, intertwined, I want to say mental flaws, but there's certain things that are holding them back from actually achieving any type of physical potential they have inside them. And, and it sounds like without even thinking about it, that it, they're putting in a built-in excuse for themselves because there is that fear there. They're not putting as much focus into that one drill. Say it's a ladder drill, a footwork drill that they're not very good at, and they just kind of blow it off or they half-ass it. And that becomes kind of a built-in excuse for them that, hey, I, I can't do this drill, but I'm good at this over here, so I'm going to work on that, yeah. um, whether it's, you know, hitting off the tee, playing the tee game, whatever it is. But they're not putting the amount proper amount of effort into what they need to with, a, say, a footwork drill or a ladder drill. And that's part of that fear that's built in. Yeah, and it's, it's certainly like you'll you'll hear in the blame game a little bit, too, because they'll get frustrated and they'll be like, well, my, my, this is what my coach told me to do. I'm doing exactly what my coach told me to do. Like... Uh, Built an so, excuse, right? Oh, you know, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's my coach's fault. While and and it's it's easy. That's an easier thing for them to say than to actually look in the mirror and be like, no, 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 this is my fault, mm-hmm. right? And we did a we did do an entire podcast on taking ownership, and um, this all relates. It's it's all like one could potentially lead to the other, but that you know, if you have this fear, right, we're never going to unpack it or be able to get past it, right, until. We deal with maybe these demons that are causing the fear first, because um, it's just gonna it's gonna either just show up at the next level or show up in the next situation, or it's gonna just forever hold you back. And 
Um, you know, I do think that I don't know how many fearless athletes you see in the transfer portal. And I don't mean to overgeneralize the transfer portal because there's plenty of good reasons to enter the transfer portal. But I think there's a lot of people who are not willing to take ownership of their current situation or their current failures or their current fear of potential failure at their current situation. And to them, there's an easier path somewhere else, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media at Jim Tara, at Coach Cassie RB on Twitter, at Coach underscore Cassie RB on Instagram. Um, and emails your questions as well. Jimbo Podcast 21 at gmail.com. If you do have any questions, we will, we will read them here um, and try to answer them as best we could. You know, we're talking about becoming a fearless athlete, episode 57. Be sure to tune in next week as well, breaking the myth of playing with heart. That is episode 58. But today, episode 57, we're talking about becoming a fearless athlete and and i think what are some of the things um I'll ask you first what are some of the the elements that you see that holds an athlete back from you've kind of touched on some of them already but some of the specific elements you may see both off the field at the academy or or on the field that you see or even in your experience from an athlete that are holding them back from becoming that fearless athlete and ultimately becoming the best peak athlete they possibly could be Sure. Uh, I've seen injuries lead to that, um, where uh, I break a hand and all of a sudden we're afraid of swinging at that inside pitch. Um, I've seen uh, not just a little bit of failure, but either like big, big slump happen or a really defining moment, like championship game bases loaded, strikeout looking like those types of like uh, to them was so crushing, let's say, or maybe uh, getting cut from a team or like certain roadblocks or uh, that all of a sudden lead to this pent up failure or fear of this potential failure at the next level. Um, I also think fear of commitment too. like you get athlete. And, and again, I think this stems from like something a little deeper, but mm-hmm. they might have an opportunity to go play for a huge next level team. And they're like, ah, that's a, that's, you know what? It's a lot of traveling. They're really good. I might not get playing time, blah, blah, blah. And I see it. Like, it's like they're, it's what they're saying is, I'm afraid of things I'm going to have to sacrifice for that that level of commitment. I'm afraid if I do go for it and they don't get the playing time, well, did I make the wrong decision? How embarrassing that might be. What will my other teammates say that I just, you know, went to this new travel team and now I'm not even playing on it? Um, it's it's the, they're they're afraid of showing up to that those type of uncomfortable or discomfort feelings that come with that. It brings me back to when you started, the way back when, when we were um, starting up the show here, you were talking about, you kind of feared, right? A little bit, the yeah. travel team <laughs> that you were playing on a little bit in, in high school, and you thought maybe you weren't good enough your freshman and sophomore year, and and you realized that, well, I am good enough, because there was that evidence there. I mean, shoot. I mean, thank goodness, though, I had the support system I did, though. I, I see athletes in that situation that don't have a supportive travel ball coach. They don't have supportive teammates or friends at home. They don't have supportive parents, which is like one of the most crushing things. That should be your your teammate for life. Um, and uh, and I think, man, if I was in the same situation I was in, but I had your dad, your travel coach, your whatever, I don't think I, I don't end up at Alabama. I don't end up yeah. any any of those places. And it's so it is, you start to like bear eyewitness to just how impactful that support system is for a 13, 14, 15 year old female or male. Right, right. And, and, uh, and you know, talking about that, that fear, um, parents have to be able to recognize that, I think, in an athlete. It's tough for parents to recognize. So we're going to try to answer that now. Mm-hmm. Um, how can parents help their kids become those 
fearless type athletes because of parents that we know you, you put a lot of dedication into their their kids uh, playing careers mm-hmm. and get them to the highest level that they possibly can go yeah I, this is hard because you're gonna see <laughs> it's really hard because a parent wants the best for their kid right they're not most parents are not saying or doing anything out of malintent or trying to be malicious or being like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this because no one's going to hurt my kid. No, they're trying to say something to pull them out of it. They've seen them be so successful in certain areas. They see how hard their kid works. They don't want their kid to experience pain. And then when they see them fail at those high, like on the on the big stage, it's they're trying to maybe pull them out of it. It's like, swing the bat. Why don't you just swing the bat? And it's that sometimes is like the most crushing question because the athlete probably doesn't know. <laughs> They're like, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I froze. I don't, you know, so it, I think as as much as we want to aggressively fix something that's going on with our athlete or fix it right away or get them to, to the hitting coach, they have, you know, we got to get this fixed. It, it might take a little longer and it might need some different questions where it's like, hey, uh, do you feel any different in that at bat than when you do at home? And uh and see see what they say, and then it's like, all right, well, let's let's try to figure out how we can maybe bring those really confident feelings to the plate. Or, uh, you know what, when when your hitting coach tells you this, you just seem so much more relaxed. Maybe maybe try to think of that because you can be such a good asset to your kid. But I, they are feeling so much pressure from so many different angles. They probably don't need it from their parent too. Uh, granted, and I say that with a grain of salt because at the same time, you're your kid's parent. You know what's best for them, and sometimes kids uh who are uh holding back just because of a uh i'm trying to think of a good way like some some kids might just need to be spoken to a little bit more directly being like listen i'm seeing this get lazy i'm seeing this you fall back on this like we need to get a little kick in the pants here and figure out how to get you to that next piece but you're gonna know your kid i think that's that's the hope (laughs) it's not easy for we i want to emphasize with parents it's not easy because there's that fine line of telling kids, your kids, whatever, it's to be aggressive and to play hard, but, and being a fearless athlete. And there's, there's a small difference, fine line, but again, small difference between um, those three things. And I think parents have to really be careful with that. And it, it's not, look, I, I get it. It's not easy. What do we expect parents to go to these, these coaching type, type seminars where they learn how to coach their kids? No, of course not. But um, knowing the difference between wanting your kid to be that fearless athlete and um, and to to be aggressive but not too aggressive that it hurts them and their team mm. um, is very very important and I think that um, maybe it starts with listening more as a parent listening to mm. to your kid and and trying to get to understand their their mental side because you anybody if you're a parent you know your kid better than anybody. So I think you would listen to them on other issues, but when it comes to sports, for some reason, there's at times there that blind spot there. So I think listening is the biggest part um, in helping your kid understand where they are as an athlete and, and becoming that fearless athlete. Yeah, I heard something really cool. Um, actually, someone I used to work with in high school long ago, he coaches, um, he has a bunch of teams in an organization. And what he tells his parents is, listen, here's the, here's the, here's the talking in the car on the way home rule. If your kid walks in to, or sits on the car and he still has his hat on, that means he's he's still he wants to talk about the game. He wants to it's it's bugging him. He wants to talk about it. If he gets in the car and his hat's off, that's his way of saying I just need a second. And I thought that was so cool because how hard is it sometimes for not even kids but adults even to verbalize like I don't I, I'm not ready to talk about this yet. And to just have something physical like that has worked I think for a lot of families. 
Um, and it's just a signal to the parent that says, I'm, I don't want to do this right now. So, um, yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty neat, but I, I, I do think the whole point of being this fearless athlete is you set up, you, you set up these guardrails and you work really hard and, and you, you push past whatever fear and you work so hard to do these things so that you can get to the point of playing in this, like, I, I really do think the closest to like a euphoric state you can play is when you're playing a game. And you're not worried about who the pitcher is or if you're a pitcher, who the hitter is. You're not worried about who the opponent is, what the stage is. And you're just playing to to try to be the best player you can possibly be, to play the best game you've ever played, to play the best practice you've ever practiced, to be the best team you get to be. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, who did we just play? I don't care. This is, look at what we just did. And then now that's like a stress-free, fearless, like you die for balls, you get excited, you're, you feel like you're swinging at pitches you want to hit and that's that's when our game's played at its best, and that's what yeah, we're nameless, doing. nameless, faceless opponent. There it is. Yeah, point right. Yep. That's not. It's not always easy getting there. Oh gosh, no. and you might get there and fall out of it, but that's yeah. the idea is that we're working for that. See, that's the that's the uh, that, but that's that's probably the hardest part is getting there, staying in it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. How many times did you have like a hitting streak and you're like, man, I feel great. Nobody touched me. <laughs> I don't know when it's gonna go. <laughs> yeah, there are times I remember there were times I was going so well. That I would say to myself, man, hitting is easy. Boy, oh, oh I know. And boy, then I, well, I would get humbled up quick. <laughs> I would get they humbled up very softball gods. I'm like, yeah. oh. They, they hear that. They they hear, it's weird. They hear what you say, and not only verbally, but mentally, too. They oh, hear yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, they know. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, good episode this week. Do you have anything besides uh, next week, episode 58? So be sure to tune in for that when we talk about um, the myth of playing with heart, um, coaches, if you're listening or any coaches out there, um, or, or someone coaches your kid and they say, play with heart, do yourself a favor and take your kid off that team. No, don't do that. But, but, but just see where you know, when they do say it, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it next. By the <laughs> I'm almost, I'm almost waiting. I'm hoping the universe aligns with me on this. I'm almost waiting for when I have kids and, and I, they're being coached by somebody else. Cause I don't know about you. I don't know if I'm going to coach my kids. Are you? I'm not sure. I'll, I was I'm playing it by ear. <laughs> right. You can individually coach, but I'm talking about like coaching a team. I don't think so. Not for me anyway. But um, I'm excited for the day when my kids uh, are getting coached by somebody and I hear that coach say, play with, come on guys, play with heart. Because now, I mean, now it's like you're feeding a, a steak to a tiger. <laughs> I'm ready to go go in and, you know, tell the coach, come here. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, let's, mm-hmm. let's have a chat. <laughs> um, so by that time, it will be on like episode like 305 at that point. Well, by, by the time you have kids, then you're going <laughs> to. Long time. Episode episode three hundred and five. Um, all right, next week episode fifty eight. Tune in for that. Um, thank you everybody for listening today. Be sure to subscribe. Apple, Google, Spotify. Um, besides family dinner, anything um, coming up at the academy we should know about? No, it, you know what? If if you can't catch every one of our episodes, um, what our marketing media team is doing is is cutting up a lot of these podcasts with neat little clips, and they're going on uh, the Instagram. And then what Jim does a great job of every week is he does a clip on our on Twitter, um, so that gets reposted on. Uh, at Jim Tara and mm. I don't know my, my Twitter, but my Twitter I believe is at Coach No Underscore Cassiarby. You'll you'll see little clips here and there. So if you're someone who uh, doesn't get as much time to listen to the long form podcast, but you want to still stay up to date, I think those are good updates that we yeah. put out weekly as well. And the YouTube page, of course, Southpaw Strength Academy has clips and and um, and shorts as well. The shorts are a big thing nowadays. Do you have a TikTok? I, I, so I don't promote that. 
So you never told me. Oh, it's funny. I do, but I I did it purely for, I was trying to learn about advertising for the company I own, for the three, the three companies I own. So I went on, I made a random TikTok and I just started watching anything that had anything to do with advertising. So I would just, I just wanted to learn. And it's been a really phenomenal learning tool actually, because the only thing the algorithm is pushing me towards is like the latest, you know, trends and all that. So if you want to just create like social media can be used for good, but you know, it can also be used for cat videos and people getting hurt that you laugh at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or, pe- or people manipulating what they're doing on the field. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately. The power, the power of AI, AI and athletes. That should be a, new, a topic we should do. That's going to be interesting for sure. Do later on in next year, of course, but, um, AI and athletes, what the AI is doing, not just to athletes, but to life. We'll talk about that, though, I'm sure, next year. All right, thank you for listening, everybody. We will talk to you next week, episode 58.